0: No, you know, sometimes when I tell my story of rebuilding my business, it feels like when I came back, just magically things fell into place and I started booking 10K projects. But no, I made a lot of mistakes in those first few months and I really had to learn some of these things uh, the hard way.
1: Welcome to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, founder of Quill & Co and mentor of other designers just like you. Step into clarity with me as I have candid conversations about both the growth and the goof ups of navigating this wild ride of online business. In today's episode, I chat with Chaitra, who is the founder of Pinkpot Studio, which is a Shopify design studio for product-based businesses. After three years in business, she took on an 18th month maternity leave, and when she returned to her business in 2020, it forced her to take a hard look at her process her ideas around pricing, and how to be resilient when you start with zero dollars in income and no client roster. We chat about how she went from zero dollars to six figures in just 12 months and the three steps that she took to focus her business and how a seemingly overnight success was actually five years of failing and learning to just keep working. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Step into Clarity Podcast. I am so happy that you're here with us. Today, I have Chaitra from Pink Pot Studio, and I'm so excited to have her here. It's our first guest episode on the podcast. Chaitra is the founder of Pink Pot Studio, which is a Shopify design studio for product-based businesses. After taking a long maternity break, she got to rebuild her design studio in January of 2020. And within just a year, she was able to scale her income to six figures by booking consistent high-end $10,000 website projects, all while, get this, working less than 20 hours a week. And I love the kind heart that Chaitra has. She believes that being kind, doing good work, and working from a place of rest can go a long way in growing your business. I'm so excited to have you here, Chaitra.
0: Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yay. Okay, so I know everyone is so excited to learn more about you and your journey of rebuilding your business from
0: $0 after your maternity leave. Please tell us a little bit more about what that looked like. Yeah, absolutely. So, I've had my business since 2015. That's when I went full-time with my business. Um it started out as an Etsy shop and then I slowly transitioned into offering custom websites and things like that and it started evolving from there. Uh, and it was growing slowly, but steadily. But I wasn't working with the type of clients that I really wanted to. And, you know, those initial days, you're not really charging a lot, right? And you're <laughs> trying to juggle a lot of projects at the same time, which was leaving me burnt out. And overall, I was just feeling really uninspired in my business. I remember at the end of 2017, um, I'd reached this point where I felt like my business was going on. It was good. It wasn't like I was... Uh, you know, it wasn't bad or anything like that. It was doing pretty good, but then I still felt like I wanted more from my business uh, in terms of both income as well as the way I kind of operated inside the business, the projects that I was working on, and all that good stuff. So that is when the turning point in my business happened as well. I got pregnant in twenty eighteen with my son, and when I had him in two thousand nineteen everything changed for me. And that was literally the turning point of this entire story. So although my business started in 2015, I truly feel like my business changed a lot and became what it is today only after that maternity break. So in 2018, when I got pregnant, I I took a 18 month long maternity break. So um, I stepped away from my business. And during that time, since I had to be present in my business for anything to happen. Um, During that time, my business went down completely, my revenue went down to zero, all the leads, clients and everything that I had went down to zero because 18 months is a long time, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I completely switched off during that time, I felt like I wanted to be present during this new beautiful phase of my life as a new mom, and I just switched off from my business. So that's what happened. And I took a completely 18 month completely, you know, free of business maternity break. Um, And yeah, I enjoyed that new mama phase a lot. But at times during those 18 months, I remember feeling afraid that was this the end of my business? Would I have to go back to a, you know, full time corporate job, which I had left in order to start this business. There were a lot of fears that would come up and kind of like, is it all over kind of questions, you know, you especially when your revenue is completely down to zero and you're in the red in terms of income, you kind of start questioning if it's all over. And I felt like that a few times too. Um, And in January, 2020, my son was going to be one year old in February. So that is when I decided okay, let's give it my all again and rebuild my business from scratch. And that's how, yeah, that's exactly what happened basically around my maternity break and me coming back uh, to business. That's amazing. And I feel like also really relatable for so many people um,
1: either starting their business from zero for the first time or taking an extended maternity break and kind of the fears of coming back to that and being like, oh gosh, what's my business gonna be like? I like, I don't have kids, but that's something that I want Mm -hmm. in the future. And that's like my Mm -hmm. number one thing is like, what do do I do for maternity
0: leave? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like at that point, I wasn't even prepared. Like I knew I wanted to become a mom, but I hadn't prepared my business or myself inside the business to be equipped to handle a maternity leave or anything like that. I feel like I was so naive at that point and I just happily stepped away. (laughs)
1: Well, like when we have our own business, there's
0: no like blueprint to exactly. you do a maternity leave. Like, <laughs> exactly. And the whole point I felt at that, this is what my mindset was at that point. I'm like, I've built this business so I can be flexible and I have all the freedom in life whenever I need it. And this is a phase of my life when I need that freedom to enjoy becoming a new mom. So, Why not just enjoy it, right? What's the point of having a business if, you know, I can't step away from it when I really need to. So yeah, Yeah, that was exactly what was going on in my mind at that point. Uh, I
1: love that. Yeah, we all, well, not all of us, a lot of us start our business because we want that freedom. And then I think that we end up in that place where like we realize that we're doing it all and sometimes
0: it doesn't run just by like without us absolutely that's how i operated like you know like in the first few years of my business i was like glued to my computer all the time and it kind of is fun you know for a little while when it's new and it's you're excited to build this new business it's like your baby it still is yeah. right like my business is my first baby i keep joking with my husband about it <laughs> um, but it's it's like yeah you you're just like there's you need to put some boundaries in place whatever it might be like with your business in order to just Fall in love with it and be in love with it all the time,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So I know everyone is interested in like how did you rebuild your business from zero, and what do you think got you from zero to six figures so quickly?
0: Yeah, I think one main thing, if I have to just put it in one word, it's focus. I think I can clearly see the differences between how I was operating before twenty twenty in my business and how I started operating when I came back. And this all has to do a little bit with, you know, actually a lot with me becoming a mom. When I came back from my maternity break, uh, as a new mom, I just had four hours to work on my business. However, before I had a baby, I had all the time in the world throughout the day to work on my business. So I felt like I used to be more inefficient with my time. But once I came back, I knew I had four hours to work per day and I didn't want to take on stress well but I also wanted to make a lot of money (laughs) 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 yeah I remember sitting on the dining table with my husband and I was telling him that you know I want to make 100k from my business I hadn't made it up till that point and I said I want to make 100k with my business um, but I really can't because I have just four hours to work per day and he's like really you can't make 100k without working more you know four hours per day. And we start questioning a little bit. And he's like, okay, if you want to take on just one project at a time, right, because I didn't want to take on too many projects and burn myself out. So I said, I want to take one project at a time. And I want to make 100k and I have four hours per day. And he said, okay, well, he wrote down this number. He's like, okay, well, for that to happen, you need to charge 10k per project. (laughs) <laughs> and instantly at that point, I was like, that's not possible. Nobody's going to pay me 10k for a website. That Those were literally the words that kind of uh, spilled out of my mouth as soon as he said that. <laughs> but for a second, I was like, you know what, May- what if it is possible, right? We are always questioning and telling things to ourselves like that this is not possible. But I think that day, for a minute, I let my mind run a little wild, And I was like, what if it is possible to charge 10K, right? But the thing is up till that point before I went off on maternity break, the highest I'd ever charged for a project was I think around 4,500. So charging 10K felt really far and really, you know, not possible at that moment, especially when I'd had zero projects in the last couple of years with zero income, right? So (laughs) it was really, really scary. But I think when... When I got back to business, I really put that in place. I'm like, okay, the three main things I'm gonna do is work with one client at a time. So plan my calendar and also schedule the projects accordingly. So I have just one project at a time. The second thing I did was raise my prices. So when I realized, okay, I have to you know charge around eight to ten k per project in order to make the income that I want to make, um, I started reading up and really studying about value based pricing and all those good things about pricing that I had to put in place. Often we as designers, like we know a lot about design, right? We are creative. We do a lot of design things, but I feel like my business skills weren't at par uh, at that point. So I invested a lot of time into studying more about how to be good at business. How do I really attract the type of clients that I want to? How do I price my projects and all that good stuff? And the third thing that I did was really refine my process. How can I create websites that deliver a lot of value to my clients while also being really streamlined and easy for me to build and execute? So these were literally the three main things I kind of put in place. And those things literally led to, you know, things building up one after the other, one on top of other, and slowly led to the results that, you know, I wanted to have that year.
1: That's amazing. I love that your husband pushed you to (laughs) like switch the mindset. Like what if it was possible? Yeah. I love that. I feel like so many times we can get into our head of like what we're like, well, what if it all goes wrong? What if they don't book me? What if I Mm -hmm. like can't make my like the income that I need this month? But I think it's so such a value it's I think it's such a valuable (laughs) mindset shift to be like well what if it was possible
0: yeah exactly uh like you just said we're always like preparing ourselves to you know handle failure like okay I'm launching this program what if it doesn't work like what if I have no client projects for the next three months we're always kind of you know, preparing for the worst case scenario because our brains are wired to do that. We are always protecting ourselves from danger and we are always optimizing survival. I mean, that's just the way our brains are wired. But for a second, when you actually flip that question and ask yourself, what if I booked all the clients that I do want to book? What if I do book 10K projects, right? Like what if all the clients that I want today are ready to book tomorrow? Will, I, will my business be able to handle that, right? Um, so yeah, just flipping the question is sometimes it can lead to so many new breakthroughs and yeah, mindset shifts. Love that. Um, So
1: when rebuilding your business, what was the hardest part? Or like, did you
0: come across any quote unquote failures along the way? Oh my God, a hundred percent. I always keep saying this one thing. Mine is anything but an overnight story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, like when I tell my story, it feels like, okay, I went from zero to six figures in that one year in 12 months. But the fact is that, you know, there were a lot of failures in that year. And also I started my business in 2015. So there were a lot of lessons. So I always keep, you know, I always want to re-emphasize that it took me five years to hit six figures in one year, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like especially online when we're looking at uh when we're running online businesses and looking at peers, it's easy to compare ourselves and compare our beginning with somebody else's middle, or, you know, just kind of feel like we are going at a pace that is slower, or things are just not happening for us. But I just want to say that everybody's journey is different. And nobody really comes out of the woods and starts hitting all their goals. I think it takes time and patience for every single person out there. Everybody has done it, um, you know, in that, in a way that has really taken time, like every everything takes time. So, yeah. Even in that year, when I came back in 2020, I definitely experienced really slow growth at the beginning. Um, January, I had zero income. February, I had zero income still. <laughs> Wait, oh, no. <laughs> March is <just> setting in. <laughs> yeah. In March, I made $2,000. I booked a project for $2,000. And that was my very first project in March. And then in April, I booked a 6K project. And then in May, I again booked another 5k project. And then that's how like step by step, step by step. And then slowly, I think by July, I started booking, I booked my first 10k project in July. And then after that, it became more consistent. And I started booking more and more of those. But at the beginning, it was really slow. My first three projects that I booked in 2020 came really slow, March, April, May, and it was really, really slow. And those moments When things felt really slow, it was so easy to give up. I definitely felt like I should give up. I felt like, oh, why did I let my business go down to zero? Things are, you know, really slow now and whatnot. Like I had all those feelings at that point. So, yeah, I definitely experienced those slow growth seasons, which were very hard in those moments when I was experiencing them. Another, not really failure, but one of the things that I found really hard was value-based pricing. As soon as I came back, I started reading about value-based pricing when I was coming back from my maternity break. And although I understood the concept of it, I I didn't know exactly how to execute it. It's one of, it's a very straightforward concept, but it's not really easy to implement, right? Yeah, it's um, so nuanced yeah it's not easy to communicate value on sales calls it's not easy to price your services it's 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 a little bit of a concept that takes a lot of time to internalize and really truly step into that uh, practice so without understanding value-based pricing i made quite a few expensive mistakes at the beginning of <laughs> in that year um i remembered like i i and also like marissa tell me if this is true like when we talk about charging more often, one of the first things and kind of the only things that gets spoken about is mindset. Like you just believe, got to believe that you're worth and you, you got to charge those higher prices, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm <laughs> and like, well, what about like looking at your actual expenses? Like that justifies
1: yeah. it so much of like, oh, what do I actually need to spend in order to live my life?
0: Yeah, exactly. And Yeah. And it's one, definitely, I totally understand 100% the mindset that you need to have in order to believe that you can charge 10K. That is 100% like the foundation. But that's just not enough. You also need to know the practical side of how to ask for that, how to communicate the value that you bring to projects, how to talk on sales calls, how to price, how to create a process that really stands up to the value that you you know, kind of promise to the client, right? There are a lot of different things that go into value-based pricing. And I remember uh, in the beginning, I think this was around April. So fairly beginning after I, you know, started my business in 2020, I got this amazing inquiry from a celebrity type of client, you know, just think like she has a AGTV kind of show kind of person, like That kind of person. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, things are starting to work. I'm just, I was just so excited with that inquiry, right? And I'm like, I was like, I'm gonna crush it on the sales call. And um, and based on all the research that I'd done, it felt like she was a really high budget client, like she was a celebrity. There were I was like, Okay, she's definitely gonna be able to invest 10k in the project. And I remember going into the sales call, you know, I I literally did it really, I mean, I did it very well. Like I was really confident and everything. And at the end, when it came to, you know, coding prices, I said, this website's going to be anywhere between, you know, 14 to 16K or something like that. And that, that was the first time I was quoting such high prices. Um, and she instantly, like... Her, I could tell like her tone went down. She's like, oh, I wasn't prepared for something like that. And the problem was I had led the entire call without really communicating why it would be so much or why she should be paying so much or what's the value in it for her or her business to invest so much in a website. But I hadn't done any of the prep work leading up to the price. And I just gave her that price because at that point I was like, oh, I have the mindset. I totally think I can charge 16K,
1: right? (laughs) Right, we're like, I know that the project is worth it and that they'll see the value. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, totally. This is going to be like 14 to 16K. And she's like, she didn't even understand why it's going to be that much. And she's like, listen, the highest I've ever paid for a website is 4k. So I don't really understand why this is 14k. And she's like, okay, I'll let you know. And she, you know, we hung up. And then later she messaged me saying, hey, you know what, this is totally out of my budget. So that is one of the first lessons that I learned the very hard way. High end clients are not always high budget clients or high budget clients are not always high end clients. It doesn't matter what your client's budget is. If they don't see the value in the work that you do. One hundred percent. I've had a lot of experiences very similar
1: <laughs> where it's like people that are well known in their industry and then quoting them a really high price. And then almost I almost felt like they felt offended by uh-huh. when I had quoted them because <laughs> uh-huh. I done such a poor job of, helping them see the value in it
0: yeah exactly like and that's when i'm like i'm doing value-based pricing why am i not able to land these big projects it's not surface level value-based pricing is not surface level i need to dive a little bit more deeper i need to really understand what value i'm providing and i need to communicate that and i need to learn how to deliver that value as well these are all some of the lessons that i truly had to learn the hard way in that year when i came back now you know sometimes when i tell my story of rebuilding my business. It feels like when I came back, just magically things fell into place and I started booking 10K projects. But no, I made a lot of mistakes in those first few months and I really had to learn some of these things uh, the hard way. So not one of the biggest lessons, which I still carry through uh, with me is like not all, you know. everybody who comes with a big budget or everybody who has a big budget is going to invest with 10K with you. Not in, that... Nor is it like somebody who comes with a 2K budget will not see the value. I've seen so many clients who came in with an initial budget of $2,000 or less. And then once we got on the call and I explained the value of what the website can do to their business, they were totally willing to invest 10K in the website later on. So the budget really is not the best indicator of what the client is ready to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hear from a lot of designers they are like, oh, well, I work with a lot of people
1: that are either just starting so they don't have a big budget or this idea that their budget only falls within this specific bracket.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think
1: that a lot of times project what we think other people can like, quote unquote, afford. But also Mm -hmm. like sometimes those people that are in the beginning of building their business, they're more motivated to see results. Mm -hmm. So they're more they see the value more because they are like, oh, I really need to get to like where I want to go. And I see this like branding or website as a solution for that.
0: Exactly. And they have their goals like really clearly mapped out and they feel like you're the person who's going to help th- help them get there. So they really see the ROI on the investment before even they invest. So. Yeah, it totally depends. It's not always like newer businesses don't have the budget, or established businesses always have the budget. One thing that I've also learned is um, Mariah Koss, she's one of my mentors, and she always says stay away from other people's wallets. Often when we get an inquiry, we try to predict if they can afford our prices or if they can afford more, what can they afford. But I feel like it's we may be totally off in assuming what somebody else can afford, right? Because what somebody else can afford is totally based on what they value. Like, for example, my husband is totally happy to drop $200 on this special vegan uh, fine dining menu. But I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not ready to pay $200 just for one dinner, but he is. It's not he Because he sees the value in it, right? But I'm just, at, at the same time, I'm ready to drop $1,000 on a new iPhone every single year, and he just doesn't get that, right? He's like, I don't even understand why you would want to swap out the same phone again and again every year. (laughs) It just depends on what each person values. So before going into a sales call or some kind of sales conversation, I always try to reset my mind on like, okay, you don't assume what they can afford or cannot. They will evaluate that, right? So totally. And I think like as designers, we're like, oh, well, they don't like, why
1: would they spend that much if they could probably just do it themselves or like, because I think that we come from the place of like, oh, well, we could do it ourselves. Like, yeah, we probably wouldn't spend $10,000 on a website because we know how to build it it ourselves. (laughs) So we like forget that other people don't think that way, too.
0: Exactly. Like you're the expert. So obviously building a website feels basic to us right but that's not the case with everybody like i will never pay 10k for a website because i'm a website designer but at the same time i will pay 10k for an interior designer right Uh, because that is a talent that i totally don't (laughs) have so i'm ready to drop money on things that i see value in
1: so what do you think is something that everyone should stop doing when they're starting their business
0: um Okay, one thing is, like I said, as creatives and designers, I feel like we are really good at our craft. We can spend hours inside Adobe Illustrator or Adobe XD honing in on our design skills. But I feel like it's really important to also become curious and good at the business side of things one the business side of things with respect to how you can grow your own design business but second thing on also how you can help elevate your clients business by working together so i feel like along with design skills it's really important to hone in and you know start building business skills along with it because i feel like it's the combination of both that will really help you build a successful and sustainable profitable design business i agree 100 it's kind of what i always say about brand strategy
1: it's kind of fusing business with design yeah and it's like our job as designers is to help our clients have like a successful like have branding that communicates their business so it's really hard to do that if we don't understand business as a whole and we don't understand Mm -hmm. their business specifically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like, and also as designers, we also want to step a little bit ahead of from the designer role. You want to step into the role of a partner or a strategist, which makes them view you as an expert who can give inputs to their business that will help them take their business to the next level so i feel like it's important to start focusing on solving problems for the businesses that we are working with so whether it's in terms of brand strategy or specifically in uh, websites it's website strategy i talk a lot about website strategy and i'm really passionate about that topic i feel like building a website that's pretty that is not going to really help your clients get their businesses to the next level. So we want powerful websites that really do the well, that really do the work for your clients' business. So I feel like it's important to build powerful over pretty websites. Pretty websites will anyway make sure we build because we are designers and we know how to make things look visually really put together. But I feel like infusing that with powerful strategy is going to really amp up your work with your clients, and really make you that go-to designer in the niche that you're trying to establish yourself and, you know, operate in inside. And along with that, in your own business as well, uh, really up-leveling your own business skills on, you know, how to value-based, uh, how to do value-based pricing, or how to talk on sales calls, how to really refine your process, how to give uh how to provide a really red carpet client experience to your clients just this overall business side of things in both aspects in your own business as well as being the strategist for your client's business is really going to take your business to the whole next level
1: (laughs) something that you would tell someone to do or like one tip that you would give someone if they were rebuilding their business or starting from zero
0: don't give up That's it. You know, at the beginning, everything feels slow. It's going to be slow at the beginning. And that's just expected. It doesn't mean that it's not working. Things could be totally working, but the results are yet to come, right? And those are the times when we feel like, okay, things are not working. I should give up. But those everyday small efforts add up. And I always keep reminding myself of the snowball effect, right? Um, It's like you're pushing down a small little snowball down the hill it feels small, it's, you know, moving slowly. But once it starts to really gain momentum, and it becomes bigger, and it accelerates, and things really take off. This, um, this movie called Finding Dory, I'm Marissa, have you watched it? <laughs> and, uh, where she keeps saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? Um, and whenever things are not working, or things feel slow, I always try to put my head down. And I'm like, just keep swimming just keep swimming right <laughs> like just keep doing the work the results will follow so don't give up when things seem slow the seed is sprouting underneath maybe you're not able to see it yet but it's definitely sprouting so keep putting the efforts
1: absolutely and i was thinking about the snowball effect when you're talking about when you first started, um, coming mm-hmm. back from your maternity leave where you're like, it was a $0 a month and then yeah. another $0 a month. Yeah. And I think that can be hard for like when we are expecting something and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not there yet. But yeah. i like, we're continually putting in all this effort. And mm-hmm. then maybe like four months later, then we're like, oh, someone like finally like saw my Pinterest thing or I don't know like whatever it was that you were working on at that moment like it's Mm -hmm. it will pay off in the future it might not seem
0: like it is right now but yeah you never know when things will take off and especially with when we're trying when we are you know, working towards booking new clients, it's never one single post or one single action that leads to a client, a client probably sees your Instagram work, then they go to your website, then they see your portfolio, then they read some testimonials, then they again, see your Instagram post, there's like a string of actions uh, that people take before reaching out to work with you. So showing up consistently is really important. Even when things feel like it's not working keep showing up
1: okay yeah. i'm gonna switch gears a little bit and we're gonna do a rapid fire this or that so i'm gonna ask you two things of this or a that and you can let me know which one you would pick you can either leave it as that or you can give an explanation if you want
0: okay <laughs> Are you ready awesome yeah
1: i'm ready okay instagram or tiktok instagram reading or writing reading <laughs> Working hard or hardly working. Hardly working. <laughs> Love it. Um,
0: coffee or tea. Coffee. Test the waters or dive into the deep end. Um, test the waters and then dive into the deep end. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> messy desk or clean desk. Uh, messy desk. Be
1: embarrassed
0: or be afraid. Be embarrassed. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay so so to fail forward. Like. I feel like there's so much, like we are always trying to protect ourselves from failure, but by protecting ourselves from failing, we're also protecting ourselves from success and trying new things and experimenting and letting the magic unfold. So it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. If there is something like failures and mistakes, let's just do it, right? Let's fail, let's embarrass ourselves and let's keep going because there are so many magical things on the other side that's waiting to unfold. I was thinking about that this morning, actually. I was like, oh, man, like, what if this, pot? like, what if uh-huh. I'm just launching the
1: podcast? And I'm like, oh, what if it's so cringy when I look back on it in three months? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, wouldn't it be even worse if it wasn't cringy? Like, if, yeah. if it just never got better?
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're we, we are always like, as we evolve as human beings, our work also evolves. And that's just the nature of it. But by trying to be perfect the very first time itself, we are avoiding and we are trying to, we are not getting all the lessons that we could learn if we allowed ourselves to fail. Amazing. Okay. And then I have one last question for you. What are you trying to find clarity on right now? Okay. Such a great question. And I love sharing about everything very transparently. So here goes. So I built my business, as you know, um, from zero to six figures, my design services in 2020. And in 2021, I launched a coaching program for web designers. It's called the High-End Web Designer. It's been one of the best things I've done for both myself and my business. I feel like my mission or the whole purpose of my business has just really expanded. I am heavily focused on uh, building this program and helping more web designers land 10K websites. That l- that's literally my mission Uh, and I'm deeply passionate about helping web designers uh, book high-end 10K websites. 10K is just a reference point. I'm just using that as a number, but basically what it allows for is for web designers to take on fewer clients and thereby giving them more time and more space in their lives and their business, as well as being able to serve their own clients in a very high-level way. So my... Uh, The purpose of this program is to really help web designers build both a profitable and a sustainable web design business by booking high-end websites. And so that's what I've been working on. Um, This year, I am taking on client projects as well as, as I'm working on the program. Currently, one of the things that I'm trying to find clarity on is how can I get this program into the hands of more web designers? How can I reach more web designers uh, who need this program? Uh, I guess that is what I'm trying to work on right now. Mm, Thank you for sharing that with us. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And
1: thank you so much for joining us. This has been so great. And finally, where can people connect with you beyond this podcast episode? How can they continue and follow along with your journey?
0: Yeah, so my Shopify web design studio is at pinkpotstudio.com. My program, uh, which I just spoke about, the group coaching program for web designers, it's called the High End Web Designer. You can go to the highendwebdesigner.com and apply the program. I also have a free email course that teaches you how to attract, book, and design high-end websites. It'll give you kind of an intro to everything, the entire framework that I teach, and you can find that at pinkpotstudio.com/10k-websites. I'll make sure to send the links to Marissa so she can link it in the. Um, yeah, show notes. But I'm always hanging out on Instagram. And I would love to hear from you. I'm at pinkpod.studio And I would love for you to send me a DM if you heard this episode. And I'd love to connect with you and hear more about your business and more about your journey. Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. This has been such a great chat. I am so glad, Marissa. Again, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's
1: episode. I would be thrilled to know if any of this resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at quillandco.design. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And of course, as always, I welcome your feedback on topics to cover going forward. So go ahead, send me a DM on Instagram. I cannot wait
0: to say hi to you.